0: Life if you give your heart and believe what he's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasures stored up in heaven when you're true. You'll be set for life. But still, yet God is not totally left his people. He has not. I've been to Israel today. God's still there. He still loves Israel, but God never has abandoned. Jesus Christ still yet has to sit on Mount Zion. That's a prophecy we have not seen happen yet. So what this means is that God is still among his people. And why would God do all this? Why would God do such a thing like this with his people? Why? Because he's demonstrating through Israel who he is. He's showing us who He is. If left to just yourself and your little culture out there, you would think, no, if somebody messes me over enough times, I can leave and never have to be friends with them again. But God's trying to show us who He is through Israel. First John 4 and 8 says, He who does not love God does not know God, for God is love. God is love. He's trying to demonstrate His love to Israel in a story that happened thousands of years ago for you to see it today and realize, oh, God's still here. Those of you who think that God has left you because times are hard, realize he's not left you. He's not abandoned you. Well, everybody else has abandoned me. Well, God's not everybody else. He's God. Boy, it sure takes a ton of love, doesn't it, though, to keep trying to work with Israel time and time again, doesn't it? (laughs) It takes a lot of love. Well, that's who God is. He's love. And I guarantee you, it took a ton of love to save a knucklehead like me. It sure did. And you know you're in that same boat with me. <laughs> so let's look at God's love for his people, Israel, in that he would send them again another prophet. How many prophets is this now? Several. I don't know. Lots of prophets. Someone, a prophet is somebody to go speak on God's behalf to them. Judges 6 and 7. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land also. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the God of the Amorites in those lands you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. You feel like you're getting taken out to the woodshed on this one? You ever had one of your parents, you didn't do what I told you to. You disobeyed. You remember how scary that was? Yeah, this is scarier. This gives me goosebumps though, guys, because I try to put myself in the situation. I imagine if I was there to hear this from the prophet, that everybody just cried out for, Oh Lord, Oh Lord, Oh Lord. And here comes a prophet and he dumps the blame on them, not the Midianites. It was y'all that did it. Can you feel that? I want the prophet to say nice things about me. I want the prophet to say bad things about the Midianites, not me, but the prophet dumped on them, not the Midianites. You know, how a lot of people, they get their life into a big, fat mess, and typically in their mind, it's always somebody else's fault. Somebody else did this to me. I didn't do it. I'm nice. I'm good. <laughs> it's always somebody else. I can imagine they cried out, Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, these Midianites. Oh, Lord, these Midianites. They've taken all our food. We're, we're doing all this work all year, and they just take it all. And the prophet comes and says, Y'all are the ones that did this. No. T- uh n-uh. <laughs> I did all that work on those crops all year. They're the ones that come and took it. No, y'all did this. Can you hear this? It's not what you want to hear, is it? God's prophet says, you Israelites, not those Midianites, you Israelites, look at what you've done. Stop saying, look what the Midianites did to me. Look what you did to God, is what the prophet said. Ouch. I don't have steel toe shoes on today. Do y'all? Some of y'all have open-toed shoes on. You you wore the wrong stuff, man. I bet the people of Israel, you could just see that deer in the headlights look. It was us? You mean we caused all this? I'm sure they said, okay, prophet, no, explain. I'm not buying it. God said through his prophet, you, not the Midianites, but you have not obeyed my voice. God never told the Midianites what to do. He told Israel what to do and they disobeyed. Parents, have you ever been in a situation where your kids were behaving bad? And so are other kids around them. It's like other kids were going crazy too. And you run up on the situation and you snap them back in line. And they're like, yeah, but what about those other kids? They're doing it too. What do you tell them? They're not my kids. They're not mine. You are mine. I'm dealing with you. They don't belong to me. God did not send his prophet to the Midianites. Hey, leave my Israelites alone. That's not what he sent it for. He sent the prophet to Israel. You have not obeyed my voice. He's dealing with the Israelites. Judgment is going to start with Israel first, hasn't it? Didn't start with the Midianites. It didn't start with their enemy. The Midianites will get there soon enough. But it started with Israel, didn't it? Judges 6 and 11. Y'all hang on for this one. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizarite, and his, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Mighty man of valor? I'm threshing wheat, dude. What do you... What? Somebody else in here with me? I don't see no mighty man of value. It's like when somebody comes in and says, says gentlemen, and I'm just looking around, who? Who are you talking about? They ain't talking to me. <laughs> Here's this angel of the Lord again, though, real quick. Now, we've seen him before. We saw him in Judges 2 when he appeared to Israel. And we, we can, let me show you again. We found out who he, this guy is. Who is this guy? Exodus 3, when he appeared to Moses And chapter 3 and 2 here. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. There's the angel of the Lord. And then in verse 6, the angel of the Lord tells Moses who he is. And so in verse 6, moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon who? God. Who is the angel of the Lord? It's God. The angel of the Lord is God himself. Now, it's possible that the appearances of the angel of the Lord were manifestations of Jesus Christ before he became flesh through Mary. After all, Jesus declared to the people before, uh, he has said that he had existed long before the time of Abraham in 858. He said, before Abraham, I am. They're like, you're not even 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? He goes, yeah, I have, angel of the Lord. So now I want you to notice what Gideon was doing. When the angel of the Lord appeared. Think of the angel of the Lord as like a pre Jesus Jesus, okay? <laughs> He's a time traveler. I don't believe in time travel. I know a guy that's done it, okay? Believe me. He pops in when he wants to. And so, what was Gideon doing when the angel of the Lord appeared? What was Gideon doing? He was doing farm work, he was threshing wheat in the wine press, and he was trying to hide it from the Midianites so they couldn't steal it that little bit of food. He was, trying, he was doing work. I think this is very significant what Gideon was doing right here. Because what has been Israel's big problem during this time? What has been Israel's big problem that has been going on? The big problem that's been going on is that the men have not been leading. The men have not been leading. This is why God put Deborah in as a judge and why God handed the Canaanite army commander over to Jael. Because the men had been spineless. They weren't doing their jobs. They weren't leading. They were Lazy, and God was trying to shame them to get them back in action. And the angel of the Lord shows up on Gideon, who is doing work. He is working like a man. That's is what Israel needs right now. <laughs> doing everything he can to keep the Midianites from stealing the grain from Israel. Basically, Israel I'm sorry, basically Gideon is thinking of his people, not himself. He's not thinking of himself. He's, saying, he's not saying, you know what? I don't like it here anymore. I think I'll go thresh somewhere else. I don't like the way things are going here. I will just go thresh someone else, somewhere else. No, no matter how bad it's getting, he's threshing where he's at. He's working where he's at. He's thinking of others before himself. Gideon is basically doing his very best in a bad situation. Now, I told y'all when we opened this morning, we're not in the best situation we've ever been. But you know what? I'm going to thresh right here. I'm not going to thresh nowhere else. Israel is crying out to God, what do we do? What do we do? But here's Gideon, the guy who refuses to give up no matter how bad things are. And he's been doing everything he can for his people. And I believe this is why God referred to Gideon as you mighty man of valor. At this point, Gideon, is, he's not a soldier. Joshua, that man was a soldier, wasn't he? He was a military guy. He knew how to fight, and he did that. But Gideon, he's just doing farm work, just threshing wheat. You know, they, they, they thresh that wheat like they do. That's all. He's not fighting anybody, but God calls him a mighty man of valor. Why would he do that? Because it's Gideon's heart that God saw, Gideon's attitude that he had. God chose a man who is willing to give it all he's got in a time of chaos. That's a mighty man of valor, according to God. Gideon's not a proven soldier yet, but God sees the potential that's there. And so God chooses Gideon to be Israel's new leader. A man whose actions proves that he is not defeated. He is not laying down on the job. He's still going. Guys, I can relate to that right now. Things aren't the best they've been. Things don't look too good. The enemy has come and stolen away but I'm still going to thresh, and I'm still going to do the best I can with what I've got. Trying to make a difference. Now, in closing, I want us to really reflect on this situation here. Israel is doing evil in the sight of the Lord again, and the Midianites come by the thousands to take away everything that Israel has worked for. You ever been there? You work, and you work, and work, and then the enemy just steals from you and takes away, and you're wondering, what just happened? God is using the Midianites as his instrument of judgment against Israel's sin. And right now, we live in a time where great evil is being done in the sight of the Lord. Right now, big time. I am not going to talk party, political party here. Because quite frankly, I don't see either party really doing that great anymore. I like some things that are going on in the presidency, but that's not my issue. I'm saying both sides, Democrat, and Republican, they all got stupid things they're doing. Evil is being done in the sight of the Lord. I won't politicize this message. We're going to cry out to the Lord. Here's here's something going on. Evil is being done in the sight of the Lord. A lot of Christians are looking at the lost thinking, boy, you've really got trouble ahead. Just the lost, you have trouble, not me. I'm saved. You lost people. Oh, glad I'm not you. And we're acting like we're better than them. It happens a lot of the time. But I want us to notice who is being oppressed in the story. It was not the Midianites, was it? God wasn't putting it on the Midianites yet. He was putting it on who? For seven years, God put the hurts onto Israel. Who was their oppressor? It was the Midianites. It was Israel that was under oppression. I want to show you something in 1 Peter 4.17. It says, for the time has come for judgment to begin, get this guys, to begin where? Out there? No. At the house of God, right where you're sitting. Judgment to begin at the house of God, and if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Yeah, they got bad stuff coming, but who gets it first? Us. In these days, these are the end days. And, and, and people say, well, how can you say that? Well, because Jesus said in Matthew 24, in, at the end of the age, everybody will be offended. Everybody's offended. Are they not? Yeah. You can say, have a good day, and somebody will find something wrong with it, especially on Facebook. Boy, I had a great day today. Well, I didn't have a great day. That make you better than me. And then there it goes. You lost it. Might as well delete it now. Everybody's offended. Jesus said this would happen and because of it they will hate each other. So the church is under oppression right now. Now I'm not talking about just American version. I'm talking it's under bad oppression. There are people literally losing their heads right now. We don't like to think of that. Oppression, we consider prejudice, uh, you know, persecution in America, we consider that to be I've got my Bible out and somebody looks at me funny. That's not persecution. There's really people that are really taking oppression. Our brothers and sisters out there are taking oppression. Now, if God wanted to, he could do something about it. So why hasn't he? That's a question. Well, let me say this. In the United States, 50% of all marriages are gonna end up in divorce, and the number one cause of death is abortion, with sixty million dead since nineteen seventy three. Sixty million since nineteen seventy three. 60 million have died since my time. That 60 million people that could almost be up to my age that are not here. Friends, in a nation that claims that over 50% of its population is Christian, these figures indicate that something's very, very wrong. If we were truly over 50% believers in this nation, those statistics wouldn't be there. This is real. We can read Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord and go, oh, there they go again. Well, America is doing evil in the sight of the Lord too. Here we go again, and who's going to take the judgment first? Don't be thinking about them. What about you? The judgment happens here first, and it begins with us at the house of God. So then we should take Gideon as a good example, I think. I think we need Gideons right now. As bad as things were, Gideon is a guy that just would not quit. He wouldn't quit. No matter how much has been stolen away, you just get in and keep doing what you can. But I'm just a farmer. Doesn't matter. God called him a mighty man of valor. So good. Psalm 138 and 6. Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. Gideon was doing farm work. Gideon wasn't too good for it. I'm not going out there to thresh. I'm not doing all that work. My back hurts. I'm not setting up all these chairs and this equipment out here. My back hurts. But I'm not too good to do it. If it has to be done, I'll, I'll jump in and do it. I've got good help. But it's, I, I can relate with Gideon. He's doing work. He's not too good for it. He's not too high. He's low. That's a humble character that God considered to be a mighty man of valor. God saw Gideon's potential. So I want to ask you a question about you now. What about your potential? What about you? You might think that your own abilities are too small to be of any use. And you know what? Gideon said the same thing, didn't he? He said, "Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house." I want to show you why I'm a pastor. Okay? I'm going to show you the verse that says why I'm a pastor in 1 Corinthians 127. But God has chosen the foolish things. This guy that ruined everything, had everything taken away. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. If you consider yourself to be too small, you're just right. You're just right. It's not the size of your influence that matters. It's the size of your heart. It's your attitude. It's your character. It's your willingness to give it everything you've got. All Gideon could give was threshing some wheat, but by God, he was willing to give it all he had. And now God is about to position him to become Israel's deliverer. You're thinking, Ray, I, There's not much I can do. I don't have anything. You've got something. Yeah, but you can't do anything with that. You think God could do anything with threshing wheat? He chose Gideon to save a whole nation. You think God could do anything with you? Of course he could. I just want you to take encouragement from this story because we're about to really amp things up around here. We're going to really amp things up around here, but I want you to take encouragement here. I want you to know that you're not too small to jump in and help. All you need to have is a willingness to work, and God will see to the rest. It doesn't matter how bad things may look you've got something you can put in. God said to Gideon in verse 14, he said, go in this might of yours, have I not sent you? Go in this might of yours, have I not sent you? Friends, I want you to know that God has also chosen you and he has sent you out too. What is that? It's in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Here's how he sent us. Go therefore, And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Guys, we've been commanded to do this. It's not an option. It's a command. And if you've been in the military, and if your commander commanded you to do something and you didn't do it, were you not in trouble? You were in trouble. It's a command. It's not if you feel like it. I command you to do this. If you don't feel like it, you can go lay in your bunk all day. No, you're supposed to do it. We've been commanded. And I think too many people take this as an option. We're supposed to be out there teaching people the word, we're supposed to be showing it to them, we're supposed to be representing it, we're supposed to be praying for the lost. Too many people aren't helping. There's a lot of people that are not putting in because, first, either they don't want to, or second, they think they have nothing to give. And they do. You remember the curse that the unhelping tribes got in the last chapter? The tribes that wouldn't help in the battle. They were cursed. But the tribes that did put in, they were blessed. Some things that you can do is go with us to Planned Parenthood. We go there the first Saturday of the month. More people can come help us with that. We go there and we pray. Another thing you can do, share gospel with the others, with other people. That is what is going to grow this church. Sharing the gospel with people. Doing what Jesus said is going to put more people in those seats. I can put out ads. I can be on the radio all day, and it's not going to bring anybody in if we're not putting people in those seats through sharing the gospel. And teaching them how to do the things that Jesus told us to do. This is the command that we have to follow. That's what's gonna grow this church. Don't look at me and say, Ray, this church is emptying out. Ray, you need to do something. Ray, how come you're not doing something? It's not based just on me, it's based on all of us collectively. Who are you telling? Who are you inviting? Who are you trying to demonstrate Jesus to? And then when they click, say, Why don't you come with me Sunday and we'll do some more? That's what brings people in here. It's a group effort. A third thing you can do is living a repentant life, which means stop doing the things you know are sinful. Stop it. Don't do it. Oh, but it's fun, Ray. I know. Stop it. God's more fun than your sin. Do you want curse or blessing? Let's be what we claim to be, and let's pursue His righteousness, no matter how bad it gets. I guarantee you, you've got something to put into this. However big or however small, just ask Gideon. And we're going to remember the Lord real quick and what He's done for us. I want you to think while we go into this communion here how many times have you messed up? How many times have you blown it? How many times have you done things that the Lord says don't do? But yet He still came after you to save you. You know, looking at Israel, they messed up again and again and again. So have we. So have we. And it's not something for you to just sit there and feel guilty about your mistakes and to feel guilty about what you've done wrong and just stay in that continual guilt snowball. What we should do with this is say, I'm going to repent and turn around and start doing the things God told me to do. There's a lot of people who are hurt because they've done something wrong. They can't let it go to the cross and get on with obeying God. They're stuck. In a rut, I want you to know that the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross for you so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be released of that burden, so that you could experience peace, so that you could escape curse and go into blessing, so that you can pass from death over into life.